This episode was brought to you by Lineage Journey. History shapes identity. Identity shapes mission. And a clear mission determines the trajectory of your future. Knowing where you come from is key to understanding your present purpose and your future mission. Lineage Journey is a series of videos that will take you on a journey through time, discovering the key people and events that have shaped the Christian faith. From the Waldenses to Martin Luther to Zwingli, from England to France, Switzerland to Germany, the light broke over the horizon of Europe, piercing through the dark ages and then spread out over the world. As the United States of America rose to supremacy, Christianity formed the bedrock of this great nation. And so from the Great Awakening to the Great Disappointment and beyond, Lineage follows the journey of God's church throughout time, immersing you in the places, the stories, and the people through whom Christianity has shone the brightest. Join us on a journey through time. Follow us on social media at Lineage Journey or check out our website at lineagejourney.com. Ehud doesn't pull any punches here. His message is short, it's sweet, it's to the point. It's effective. And from this message, which is essentially to take the life of the king, we see the greatest period of deliverance in the entire book. Yeah, verse 30 says it was 80 years. 80 years. 80 years of freedom. I think the point, to summarize it, the message was action. Mm. He did something. We today say we have a message. What are we doing? We need to do something. And you're listening to Why They Did That, a show that explores the motivations of biblical characters and how their choices can guide yours. You may have caught on already that most of the guests we have on the show are actually friends of mine. But in this episode, I'm sitting down to talk with, yes, a friend but more of a mentor, and his name is Adam Ramden. Adam's resume is quite substantial. He completed his theological studies in the United States. He's worked as a pastor, a youth pastor, and now a youth director in the United Kingdom. He's been an evangelist for Amazing Facts for a number of years, and he's also the host of one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube, the Lineage Series. He's most recently become a father as well to baby Enoch, but he's no Methuselah himself. He's still young enough to be traveling the world with his family, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and encouraging people to put their complete trust in God, just as today's central character did. The book of Judges, in my opinion, is the strangest book in the Bible. It's a book that paints a picture of what God's people are like when they forget God altogether and follow their own hearts. It's littered with great judges whom at various points in time show great faith and are used to deliver Israel from their oppressors. So we head to Judges chapter 3. 
to uncover the story of Ehud, the left-handed assassin, whom God sends with a message to the palace courts of King Eglon. We do say this sometimes, it's a cliche, but I think in this particular passage, it's, it's particularly uh, pertinent and relevant that there's no word or phrase in the Bible for no reason. Mm. That everything in there, there's a reason for it. And it's put there um, by the Bible writers under inspiration to illustrate a particular point. Right. Now, sometimes we, we read over those points mm. and we, we just read something and, and we miss the meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one passage that's worthy of us going through it carefully to, you know, why does it say that, that tribe, even right. though, you know, it's often that they would mention the tribe, but how does that relate to this story? Mm-hmm. And then why does it say left-handed? Right. Because it doesn't tell us that David was right-handed or that, you know, um, you know Daniel was right-handed uh-huh. and like King so-and-so was right-handed and signed the decree with his right hand. Right. It, doesn't, it never mentions that, but uh-huh. here it says left-handed. Mm. So there's a point behind this left-handedness that the Bible writer is trying to So let's go convey. to the first one. What's the significant thing then you think about the fact that he is a Benjamin in that, in that tribe? First of all, the ben- Benjamin was the, he was the youngest son. Mm-hmm. And... For those of us that have grown up in families where you've had more than one child, there's a certain stereotype that the mm-hmm. youngest finds themselves in. Mm-hmm. You know, you often get, you know, the youngest is the one, are you going to get, get me that over there or right. go run upstairs and get me this or, you know, go and do slave. this. <laughs> yeah, they, they are until they can stand on their own two mm-hmm. feet. That's the, the reality of the youngest. And yep. Benjamin was the youngest. His mm-hmm. brothers would have had him going there, doing this, doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think you never, you never grow out of there. Just like, you know, in the eyes of our parents, we're always little boys or little girls. Mm. The youngest is always the youngest, no matter how old they get. Right. And, you know, you see that illustrated in the other areas of the Bible when, for example, King Saul was chosen. King Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is very clear saying that, the, I forget exactly the names, I think it uses Reuben and maybe Judah, saying that they were they were offended hmm. that God had bypassed them, the oldest tribes, the, the, the big brothers. Mm-hmm. And he goes to someone from the, the youngest tribe and they, they weren't pleased with God's choice. Why, why do you think God does these kind of things? I mean, obviously it's impossible to really read the mind of God, but it's interesting when you see these patterns, because within, within the, the kind of Hebrew culture, there was great emphasis always put on the firstborn. Mm-hmm. It was all about the firstborn. Mm-hmm. But when you look through the scriptures, especially when you go through the book of Genesis, it's as though God wasn't really in favor of the firstborn or, or more so it never actually reached the firstborn. Like you see Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Abel's the one and eventually Seth yeah, yeah. is the one that's blessed. You see Jacob and Esau. You see Joseph and, mm-hmm. and the other brothers. And it always kind of bypasses that first. And it seems like God has something for the least favored. Where it's almost like he takes more pleasure in in showing that he can work with them. Yeah. I mean, I think we have certain scriptures that that, that point that out, you know, in, in Corinthians when when Paul's talking and saying that, you know, he has a thorn in the flesh mm-hmm. and he wants it to be taken out. And God's like, no, right. it will stay there. Mm-hmm. When I am weak, then I am strong. And Second mm-hmm. Chronicles 16 verse 9 also says, the eyes of the Lord are in to and throw the whole earth, looking for those on whose behalf he can show his strength. Mm-hmm. So... It's those on, he, he, he's looking for people. How can I, essentially, how can I show, show my strength? Right. And that's obviously shown greatest through those who suffer from some weakness of, of one thing or another, mm-hmm. because they're not relying on themselves. Right. They have to rely outside of themselves. 
And so that takes us to the fact that Ehud is, as it's pointed out, he is a man left-handed. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Anytime some, well, something is mentioned just a few times in the Bible, it, mm-hmm. I think it's particular. Significant. Significant. Mm-hmm. The word left-handed only comes up twice in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Once in Judges chapter 20, it just says that there was left-handed men that could fire a stone right. at a hair's breadth. Right here. And then there's this instance where the Bible says Ehud is left-handed. Mm-hmm. As the story goes on, it, it elaborates, I think, a little bit more detail um, how his left-handed works mm-hmm. to his advantage. But there are some translations or some 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 say in the original that uh-huh. the, the word for left-handed wasn't just that he woke up one day and decided, I'm going to use my sword with my left hand. But it says that the phrase left-handed could also be translated he was shut of his right hand. Hmm, like it was kind of lame? Possibly. Either through disease or disuse, he, he wasn't able to use his right hand hmm. and he was thus left-handed. So it's not just a random fact that the Bible is throwing in there. Ehud being left-handed is significant. But the text states that he's left-handed not merely because that was his default, but it's implying that his right hand was likely lame or disabled. Whatever the case, it didn't work. The amazing thing is that Ehud's apparent disability did not disqualify him from usefulness. In fact, it actually gave him something special, something unique that God could use to turn the tide of history once more. And now he sends his courageous soldier into the king's very quarters to do just that. It takes a special kind of person mm. to go into someone's private chamber, mm-hmm. private bedroom, right, and be willing to pull out a knife and kill them. Mm-hmm. I mean, God used different types of judges throughout in, in the book of Judges. Yeah, um, Gideon was a man who led, well, he was going to lead thousands of soldiers. He ended up leading 300, but still, he has 300 soldiers behind mm-hmm. him. You have Samson, mm-hmm. who's one of the strongest men. Here you have a man who's different. I believe God intends him to be what we would call today, we'd use the term an assassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, He's going in undercover, one man to kill one man and deliver his people. And you've got to be brave, very courageous mm-hmm. to, to be willing to do that. Go in someone's personal space. Um, it's not like you're firing a stone at them from a distance. You're, right. you're standing in front of them face-to-face, eye-to-eye, you're looking at them, you're talking to them, and then, you know. Yeah. I remember when, when I first read this story, I remember, you know, I, I'd, I'd read the Bible as most people had read the Bible when they first come to mm-hmm. Christianity, and that, you know, you're told about specific places, you know, specific passages that are important, mm-hmm. doctrinal studies and whatnot. But then when I was reading it kind of from the start going through, uh, you get to the book of Judges, which in itself is just kind of abnormal when it comes to the mm-hmm. rest of the Bible. And I remember reading through and thinking, oh, this is this is this is interesting. You know, we've got a guy that's left-handed, he's got a sword. The king is mentioned as being very fat. And the more you read this story, at least for me, the first time going through it, the more outrageous it kind of it mm. kind of was. Like the fact that this story is recorded in the Bible in the amount of detail specific right and with this kind of with this graphic nature it's it's quite amazing it plays out almost like the scene from a movie except it has a kind of strange ending with with 
kind of I think <laughs> everything coming up. I think going back to the point on left-handed, it, it it wasn't something that was normal, mm-hmm. which is why it's it's mentioned. Right. You know, left-handed is only mentioned twice, and and even today, you may, you may argue to a certain degree that some left-handed people would would say that they have a disadvantage mm-hmm. in the general tasks of life. Yeah. You know, if you I don't know, if you play golf, you got to get special golf clubs, or mm-hmm. if you play guitar, you got to get a different guitar. Or yeah. there, there's certain things that you know, the world's not really suited to left-handed people because they're mm-hmm. a, a minority yep. and most things are made for right-handed people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if it was similar back then with military equipment or whatever, if it was, they were still, you know, at a disadvantage. Right. Yeah. I mean, my wife is left-handed and she would always complain that whenever she would be writing that she would smudge mm-hmm. everything along mm-hmm. the way just because your your hand is moving over the ink. Mm-hmm. So even if a lot of things like that, and I do think it plays into this. And the reason why I think it's it's um, so pertinent in this story is the fact that when Ehud comes into the king's quarters, his guards go to check naturally. You want to find out, make sure this guy is safe, find out if he is mm-hmm. something he shouldn't be. And they only check his left thigh. We assume. Right. Because the the, the way it, the, the text says, I don't say we, we assume, we... we um, take from the passage the bible mm-hmm. says that uh where is it verse 16 he he, he made a, a dagger a cubit and, and put it under his raiment mm-hmm. on his right thigh right now first of all why is it under it's concealed because you know if you if you're carrying a weapon that you're planning to use you keep it easily accessible but he puts it under his clothes under mm-hmm. his his garment under it because he's not supposed to have it right and then the bible says he puts it on his right thigh mm-hmm now I think if you break down how how would a a dagger have been used if it's in inside the, the sheath the sheath if your dagger's on your left thigh and you're right-handed you're reaching across your body mm-hmm. and then you're pulling it out with one motion and it it fits because you're kind of pulling it away from the sheath mm-hmm. if you're right-handed and your dagger's on your right thigh you you just can't pull it up right. you can't get it out the sheath mm-hmm. so Left-handed would obviously use the right thigh, mm-hmm. right-handed on the left thigh. And so security measures would have been put in place for going, going, going to see a king. And like, as you said, they would only have to, Yeah, no one's going to pat the right thigh. Like you said, the world's not set up for this group of people. Yeah. So why so would they bother checking? There's no left-handed soldiers. There's no left-handed warriors. So why would we check the right thigh of someone to see if they've got an undercover dagger? We'll just pat the left side. Mm-hmm. And as they pat the left side, there's nothing there. So for this particular mission, where God was using someone that was going into the private chambers, he was going to kill the king and deliver the people that way. For this particular mission, he couldn't have used the right-handed person. Mm. It would have been impossible. Right. They would have got found out. They would have got found out. If it was concealed, they would have been in trouble. Yeah. So he, he had to use someone that was at apparent disadvantage in every other scenario. Mm-hmm. But in this one scenario... He's actually at an advantage. Right. And I think this, what this tells me is that there is an element of strategy even to the way that God works. It's Mm. not just random. It's not just happenstance. Like Mm -hmm. you said, it couldn't have been really anyone else. It had to be someone in with this particular set of circumstances. And when I think of how, how things are, are done just kind of across the board, we're generally looking for those that don't have disabilities Mm -hmm. and don't have these kind of odd quirks about them that separate them from the rest of the Mm -hmm. bunch and it might just be that god is looking for that kind of person the one that you don't expect Mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. to be used, the one that has something that looks like somewhat of a disadvantage. But that's that's not how we see it, so we don't operate like that. And oftentimes then we don't have victories like this. Mm. Whether real or perceived, we all have some left-handedness in us. Mm. Where there's circumstances in life that we've gone through, or the situations we find ourselves in, sometimes it might be something physical, sometimes it might just be something um, maybe emotional, sometimes it might be something real, um, where we feel that we're at a disadvantage in this scenario. Mm. And God says, look, I, I've, I specialize in using disadvantaged people. It's so easy to get bogged down by the things that we can't do or things that others are much better than us at. But what if the only thing keeping God from using us is not our disabilities or our anxieties or even our lack of skill? What if the only thing keeping us from being used by the creator of the universe is our own faith? Stay with us as we look at how Ehud's left-handedness isn't the only tool in God's arsenal. I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That. Lillian's journey not only produces video content, but instructive and illuminating resources to teach young and old about Christian history. Lineage has produced an educational coloring book for people of all ages. It includes original artwork from Ashley Bloom, the same illustrator for the Why They Did That podcast, highlighting the various heroes of the Reformation. Each scene has a matching story, and there are also QR codes to connect you to the website for more information and to watch the videos. There are also fun facts and memorable quotes to accompany the scenes to color in. Designed for young and old alike, get your copy now at lineagejourney.com. For nearly two decades, AFCO, the Amazing Facts Center of Evangelism, has been helping people from all backgrounds gain the skills to seek and to save the lost. And now, it's getting even better. AFCO is all about learning while you're doing. You will do real work in real communities with real people bringing real results for the Lord. While training at AFCO, you'll learn to speak persuasively in public settings and lead small groups, to develop a vibrant devotional life, to identify your specific calling in ministry, to confidently share your faith with others anytime, anywhere, to persuasively present the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, to assess the physical and emotional needs of context, to point people to God's work in the heavenly sanctuary, to winsomely answer difficult Bible questions, to coordinate and conduct an evangelistic series, to utilize the latest technology to dynamically present Bible truth. You can even earn college credits through Weimar Institute. You can also be confident that your class time is going to be led by a team of successful and experienced soul winners and mentors who care about your future in God's work. So if you desire to be an effective soul winner and to develop lasting friendships with like-minded people of faith, then contact AFCO now, because there's going to be limited space for this life-changing program. To learn more about AFCO's two-month summer program, visit us at afcoe.org. And I promise 
you will never be the same. Have you ever been starstruck? You're in someone's presence and you just can't believe it's them? Or maybe you're standing before someone extremely important within society and you just freeze or stumble your words. Well, Ehud is nothing like that. His people have basically been subjugated to Philistine rule and there's this monarch whom the Bible describes as being very fat, who is ruling over them, but Ehud is not faced. This brother walks straight into the palace, right up to the king's guard and claims that he has a gift, a secret message for him directly from God. The guards leave at the king's command. He's curious now. What does this God have to say to him? Ehud steps forward, approaches the king, and the method of delivery is, well, it's rather unconventional to say the least. He reaches over to his right thigh, pulls out his dagger with his left hand, and plunges it into the layers of Eglon's gargantuan midriff. And it all gets a little gory and, and smelly from that point, but, but, but what was the message God asked him to deliver then, you ask? Well, that was it. Preach the gospel always. Only use words if necessary. He doesn't actually say anything. Mm -hmm. So he says, I have a message and then says nothing. Right. But he does something. Mm. And I think the point we can glean from that is he says, I have a message. Doesn't say anything, but does something. Now we today, we have a message. Mm. And there are times when the message is spoken. But if we were to go to the community around us and say, we have a message for you. And then not say anything. The question would be, then what would we do? Right to illustrate the message we say we have. Mm. So we say we have a message as a church, we have a message as a Christian community. Mm -hmm. Now, we, it's always easier to articulate the message mm. than to actually do the message. Right. For him to say, I have a message for you, I'm going to kill you. He'd be like, ah, are you really? Right. He's like, I have a message, and then he did it. Mm. So we can go to the community and say, we have a message for you. God loves you. Oh, really? Or is it easier, I have a message, let me show the love of God mm. in what I'm doing to you. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a kind of age old saying in that, you know, when, you, when you're looking at like film and these kind of things, they say, don't, don't say what you're going to do. Don't say how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Show it. Mm -hmm. Allow people to, to see for themselves that, you know, what you would have said is actually true. Yeah. Ehud doesn't pull any punches here. His oh. message is short. It's sweet. It's to the point. It's effective. And from this message, which is essentially to take the life of the king, we see the greatest period of deliverance in the entire book. Yeah, verse 30 says it was 80 years. 80 of, years. 80 years of freedom. I think the point, to summarize it, the message was action. Mm. He did something. We today say we have a message. What are we doing? We need to do something. And throughout the Bible, you see that throughout history. If you think of some of the, the characters in the Bible and some of the characters throughout history that have really kind of made an impact on the world, you see this same kind of trait coming up. Mm. Um, Moses. You know, we always thought Moses was the most humble man in the world. But Moses was a murderer. Like he killed a man in cold blood. And God says, I'll take this man who's a murderer, 
who's lost the respect of his peers and his countrymen, and I'm going to take him to deliver his countrymen. You've got Daniel. I believe he would have attended a small church school, for want of a better term, in Jerusalem. And then he goes from there to the top university of his day, right. you know, University of Babylon. And, and, and yet there, even with this academic background that wouldn't have been as prestigious as, as other people, he goes to this prestigious academic environment, relies on some of the health principles and study principles he's learned in Jerusalem, and God blesses him for that mm. in, a, in a foreign environment. Daniel is an example, and then not just in that instance, it's for the next 70 years of his life, right. through one empire into the next. You've also got David as well. David, I think, illustrates that perfectly. He's he's a shepherd. Mm-hmm. God says, I'm going to take a shepherd and make him king. Right. I mean, if that happened today, where we had a shepherd, I mean, and make them a pastor or a leader in our church organization or any mm-hmm. religious organization, that's just a strange thing that people wouldn't go for. Mm-hmm. Not just that, though, he uses him to defeat Goliath, who's the greatest warrior in his day. And he does that not by conventional means, but with a piece of leather and five, one smooth stone, but he had a four, four spare to go. Mm-hmm. The disciples, I think, illustrate the left-handedness of, of mm. God using them. They, They're the uneducated. They're uneducated. Because in, 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 in Jewish culture, you would you were trained to be a rabbi. And if at any stage you don't pass, you would leave your training and go and join the family trade. Mm-hmm. So tradesmen, by virtue of being a tradesman, they had failed somewhere else in life. Right. And God goes to the fisherman. He, go, he, he finds these men and says, no, come, come and follow me. And these would have just been young men in probably their late teens at the time. And Jesus looks at them and says, no, 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 you come. I'm going to do something with you. He saw something in them that no one else saw. Mm-hmm. The, the, the system of his day didn't see. John the Baptist as well, he's he's someone that didn't go to the rabbinical schools of his day. Mm-hmm. And yet God used him as the forerunner of the Messiah. And so you've got someone that hasn't got the training of the religious leaders of his day. Right. But these yet, are the people that people wouldn't listen to. Yeah. But yet... He's doing something greater than, than any of them did. These are just some of the examples that you find in the Bible, but the Bible, there's many more, I think. Yeah, and, and we, we would be mistaken to say that, that God stops that when we get to the end of this book. Because yeah. even after the time of the disciples, after the time of the early church, we've got many examples throughout history mm-hmm. where God is continually using these people that have apparent disadvantage. Through religious history and one of a better term, secular history or mm-hmm. just, you know, the history of nations, you find that as well. Uh-huh. I mean, the history of say the United States of America, one of the most revered presidents would be Abraham Lincoln. And mm-hmm. you've probably seen that, that, that poster on Facebook or some places where it says, uh, you know, in, in such and such a year, he tried this and failed. He mm-hmm. ran for this and failed. He yeah. ran for this and failed. And it goes through about 15 or 20 failures. And then finally it's like, you know, he, he, he finally wins and is elected the president of mm-hmm. the United States. So he's a man that was accustomed to failure or had overcome failure numerous times and mm-hmm. kept overcoming until finally he, he achieved one of the, high, or the highest office in this country. Mm-hmm. Someone that, for want of a better term, would have been, according to the way we've interpreted this passage today, would say he's left-handed. Right. Winston Churchill was another one. He, he went to school and his teacher said he will, he's not going to amount to much in life. Mm-hmm. He's a failure, et cetera. And yet then he, 
He rose to be prime minister and led a country during a time of war and freedom. One of the greatest public speakers yeah. of our time. Yeah. And we've got that British-American balance now as well. <laughs> <laughs> got to give an example from both. I think the point here is, is simply to illustrate that, you know, I think if we're all being honest with ourselves, we all have these difficulties. We all have what Paul called, you know, the thorn in his flesh. Mm-hmm. We all have what Ehud would have been looked at as having, you know, some sort of, some sort of restriction, some sort of thing that was against him in his mm-hmm. journey. And the point is simply that the Lord can not only still use you, but oftentimes he uses the difficulty. Mm-hmm. He uses the thorn. He uses mm-hmm. the disability so that you can be that instrument that brings glory back to him. Whether you've come to terms with it or not is irrelevant. God wants to use you. And whether you have a physical disadvantage, a a mental disability, a learning difficulty, maybe you suffer from stage fright or have crippling anxiety, these things do not disqualify you from being used by God. God specializes in using the apparently disadvantaged. Remember, it's in our weaknesses that his strength truly comes forth. Don't be afraid. You too are a weapon, a soldier in the Lord's army. I remember when I was around 25 years old, I had gone through a missionary training program and was, you know, that's the age you're looking for direction. You're looking mm. for a job, basically. You know, you're, you're mid-20s. You're, and, you know, you've got friends that have their careers already lined up and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're moving ahead. And here I am still, for want of a better term, bouncing around and not quite sure where I'm going. And I went to a training program, Avco, you may be familiar with it. And at the end of the class, we, we're there with one of the uh, best evangelist in our churches and he's asking everyone what they're doing and everyone's going around the room trying to like what they're doing when they're finished yeah what they're going to do when they graduate what they do when they finish and mm-hmm. people are saying I'm going to be a pipe work here I'm going to be a pastor here I'm going to be this this and this and uh, naturally everyone's trying to uh, impress the teacher because you want to make it look like everything you're doing is great and at the time at least in my life I'd, I'd gone through this training and I'd already been through college already and now this is my second training course and I'm still here in my mid-20s without actually having done anything stable or solid yet with my life. And mm-hmm. I remember when the, uh, the teacher comes around, you know, what are, what are you going to be doing, Adam? I, I, you know, I couldn't lie. So, and I didn't have a job lined up. I had a few prospective things, but I didn't want to say those because they were still, pros- you know, there was nothing solid. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I just answered, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do and mm. I, I don't have a clear plan and I don't have anything solid in my life yet. And, and, and it feels like one of those moments where, you know, you, everyone else had had a plan. Mm. Everyone else had a, a seemed like a clear purpose. And yet I was there like, well, I really, I really don't know. Mm. I don't know. I can't even give you an answer. Right. Um, How did he take that? Do you remember? I was polite and respectful and just kind of moved on. He didn't really, didn't really say anything, but at the time you feel pretty small mm. <laughs> when you're given an answer like that in front of everyone as well. 
you know, God work things out later on. But in that moment, you're, you're wondering, well, what's going on with me? Mm-hmm. What's going on in my life? Right. You know, what's my purpose? What's my direction? Mm-hmm. And, you know, surely by now God should have given something, but not always. The best example of someone left-handed is Jesus himself. Yeah. Because, I mean, Moses, he illustrates one aspect. David, Daniel, they all illustrate aspects. Mm. But Jesus was not born with, to use the phrase, a silver spoon in his mouth. Mm. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. He was born to Mary. And it was known that Joseph wasn't her husband. Yep. So we would call that today he was born in a single parent home. Mm-hmm. He's, he doesn't know who his father is. But imagine being on the school playground, for want of a better analogy, and people say, who's your dad? Mm. And then you say, oh, my dad's the Holy Spirit. Like, if you, if you answered that question with that answer today, you would get ridiculed. Yeah. We're going to move your school. Your whole, <laughs> you'd be moving schools every week. Yeah. He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up, at least for the first couple of years of his life, in Egypt. Today, we would use the term, he was a refugee. He, right. he fled from, you know, because of persecution. He grows up as a refugee. Um, an immigrant, he would know what it's like to walk down the road and everyone's talking in different language. Everyone looks different to him. People say go home or people say things like that. He grows up in that. He then moves back to Israel to the town of Nazareth, which when you find in, I think it's believe the book of John, where people say, can any good thing come from Nazareth? So he got all these things against him and yet God's like, no, this is the the path he's going to tread on his way to the cross. Mm. I believe so he can relate to us today. Yeah. I mean, obviously he comes from heaven. He, he knows what it's like to have, have, have all the privileges. But then when he came down here to earth, he lived, a, he lived a rough life. He went through a lot of hardship. So he can relate. And in spite of all of that, Jesus is our Messiah. He's our Savior. Mm. It's almost like Jesus goes through that so he can relate, mm-hmm. but also that he can show and illustrate that you know, succeeding in life is not down to any earthly benefits we have. That we have to rely solely on God. Jesus was here on earth relying on his Father as he completes his mission. How much more so should we here on earth with all deficiencies and and all the stories of an underdog that we've told ourselves about ourselves is not there to put us down, but that it's because of that that we can overcome. God specializes in using the underdog. Jesus was an underdog. And the reality is many of us, we feel in our hearts that, you know, there's others better than us. Mm. We're in a class, there's other students that are smarter than us. We're in a family, there's others that are liked more than us. We're in a workplace, there's others that get the promotion before us. And, you know, we always struggle with this in every sphere of life. And Jesus says, yeah, you struggle with that. I struggle with that too. And yet it's because of that, as you use God in that situation, that I will glorify my name the most. He that hath an ear, let him hear. And you've just heard our latest show. If you'd like to hear more or hearken back to a previous episode, you can find us at whythedidthat.org. Uh, Please also subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can follow us on your favorite social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Why They Did That. We're on YouTube now as well, where you can actually watch this episode instead of just listening to it. So make sure you check that out. And this show was produced by the great and marvelous Christian Freed. Once again, I'm Dean Cullinane, and you're listening to Why They Did That.